welcome everybody. This is Kathy Brophy. And this is Little Victories podcast. My first podcast of season two and I am really excited to have these three exceptional educators, human beings here with me to celebrate my season two. Just for my viewers, just a little backstory. Um, this name Little Victories comes from an inspiration from my father who was an author and wrote a book called Little Victories. And that book was intended to help people overcome um, what they're experiencing when they're unemployed. And his, he did a lot of counseling and work with people. And his premise was helping people create small victories every day in their lives in the hopes that these smaller victories could turn into bigger victories. And so um, my dad passed from COVID this past May. And um, I just thought that what a great way to honor his legacy and his work, but just as a way to live in terms of all of us need little victories every day in our lives. So um, I was inspired um, to bring in these three educators and I'm, I'm gonna do a quick intro on them and then I'm gonna let them introduce themselves. I have Claudia Brown, Jill Herwig and Rob Tatro representing the best in health and physical education um, and also representing three different levels in this field. They've been making amazing contributions in the field. Um, and I've had the opportunity to spend and have private moments with each of them um, at, at different times, some longer ago, some more recent. Um, so when I was thinking about what I wanted to do, um, it, was, it was easy to think that I wanna have these three celebrate and start it off. So I'm gonna let you each um, say hello and introduce yourselves and I think we'll start you know, I was like, should we go alphabetical? I think we'll start with our elementary level. And then, so we'll start with Rob and then we'll go with Jill at the middle school and then Claudia. So Rob, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much, Kathy. It's uh, a pleasure to be here, a privilege to be here and uh, thrilled to see you and uh, Jill and Claudia. And uh, thanks so much. Uh, my name is Rob Tatro. Uh, I teach at the Sunita Williams School in Needham, Massachusetts. Uh, formerly the Hillside School. We uh, moved into a new building last year. I've been teaching in Needham for 20 years, uh, teaching overall in 20, uh, for 24 years, and Sunita Williams School is a kindergarten through fifth grade school. I teach elementary physical education and wellness, and um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Thank you, Rob. All right, Jill. Well, again, just like Rob said, thanks for having, thinking of me to be on this podcast. It's, it's an honor and it's a privilege. I was so excited when you sent me the email. I was just like, oh my God, she's choosing me. <laughs> so it's definitely an honor. Um, so like Kathy mentioned, my name is Jill Herwig. I am in my 11th-ish year teaching, but um, I've really kind of made my home at the Garfield Middle School in Revere over the last, I'm in my ninth year there. So I've been teaching sixth through seventh, sixth, seventh and eighth grade health education there for again, like the last nine years and loving every minute of it and loving, loving all the kids that I've gotten to experience and have, have with me right now. Thanks, Jill. Claudia. Hi, Kathy. Well, it's always good to be with you and thanks for including me in this, this group. Um, I congratulated Rob earlier, but I'd like this to be heard that he's the elementary PE teacher of the year for Massachusetts. And, and I know why, and I'm 
so delighted and honored to be here with him. And Jill, I admire your work and I just see you getting stronger and stronger every time you present and every time you step in to help uh, inspire health educators. So thanks, thanks for including me in this group. Um, I've been teaching for a really long time. Uh, I did spend 13 years at home uh, raising my three daughters um, and took a little, um, not a break, because I kept training uh, in, in that time and teaching here and there. But overall, teaching more than 27 years and uh, at all levels, but most recently, um, I finished up in the North Reading Public Schools for 19 years, mostly at the high school level and uh, mostly in health education after doing many years of PE and leading curriculum development for the last seven of those years. Now I am a part-time adjunct professor at three different <laughs> schools, Salem State and Cambridge College and NBU, and I'm training folks to become health educators and uh, having a ball doing it. So, thanks. Cool. So, um, I, I did not want to make my guests, you know, um, like too nervous, so I definitely shared some of the questions that, um, you know, that we were going to talk about, but I'm going to ask them in a moment um, to share what three words they would hope a student would use to describe them. But so that I could participate, I went through and I chose two words that I would use to describe each one of you that I'm going to share before I ask you. All right. So um, no random order here. So Claudia, um, compassionate and intuitive came to mind when I think of you. And I did, I have watched you present. Um, you, you recently presented at Maybird and I believe you were talking about tending our gardens. Um, you made some awesome metaphors there that were just like incredible. And um, you were just, uh, just someone that is always there for people and, and making these contributions. And some people are so out there on different social media, but also the thing I like about all three of you is that you are doing so much, and I don't know if people know how much, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on. So those are the two words I would use to describe you, Claudia. Jill, for you, unassuming and sincere. Um, you're part of the Mapered board. You are the backbone of this last convention, behind the scenes, doing the technology, supporting people. And this past summer, you actually, when I needed some help around some things, um, you were there for me, as were you, Claudia, too. You spent some time with me on the phone this summer, um, as did Jill. And then Rob, passionate and diligent are the two words when I think of you. And what I do know of you, um, because we shared a class together several years ago, but um, you're an awesome husband, father. You really love CrossFit. I do know that. and you've just continued to share your expertise, um, especially when I think about when things shut down, um, you came on and were, were supporting other physical educators with um, different workouts that you were sharing. So um, those are the words that I chose for each of you. Now I'm gonna let you each speak about um, what I asked a little while ago is if, if you were to have three words that you would want a student to share about you, what would those be? And I'll start with you, Claudia. Oh gosh, so, well, I, I was, really blessed uh, recently to receive an email from a student at BU who is from China and she's made a decision to go back there after she graduates, which 
broke my heart. I told her we would be delighted to have her stay here. And uh, she described me in three words. And I said, oh, I have my three words that I would really like to hear more than once in my career. Um, she described me as patient, kind, uh, and encouraging, and passionate. She said passionate. Um, and boy, if you can get those from every student you teach, or even one here and there, then you know that you're uh, doing the job the way you hope to be doing it. Okay, Jill. Oh. Um, I think I try, to, I try to embody this every day in my classroom with my students, and that's, um, I would love them to describe me as caring, understanding, being able to understand just what they're going through at any given moment, and, and kind of adapting my teaching to meet their needs. Um, and then the last word, which is probably the worst word you could ever describe a teacher as, or a teacher would probably be like, I don't ever label, label me that, is I, I want them to label me as fun. And I know that's a, a word that teachers are like, oh God, because kids aren't learning if they're having fun. But I want my students to label me as fun because I want them to have a fun experience while also learning. And a lot of the times I try to make these experiences that kind of trick them into learning things that they don't even realize they're learning. So I hope that they would label me as fun. I love that. And everybody here, people can't see it, but we, we can see each other. Everybody nodded when you said fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, uh, working in elementary school, um, that's the one that I'm going to start with first. Is <laughs> I mean, I think that I'm the funniest guy in the world. <laughs> and I test out all my material on my students. And of course, they think it's hilarious. So <laughs> even if I may not be the funniest person in the world, I am to them. So that's, that's all that matters to me. Um, so that would be uh, number one, I guess, for my students. Um, Number two would be caring. Uh, those are the rules that we go through or go by inside of the gymnasium. I have them posted right on the wall and it's to take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the things we use. So I try to embody that with my students and just try to promote a caring environment. And uh, I really do care for my students and hopefully uh, they do the same for each other. And then um, I would say I would hope that they would say kind. Um, it's one of the rules that we have at uh, Sunita Williams is to be kind. And um, if we can have fun and care for each other and be kind in class, well, I've done my job. And uh, anything else that comes after that is gravy to me. For sure, for sure. So the name of the, this podcast, by the way, which I don't even think I told you all, is The Student is the Teacher. That's the name of this podcast. And um, before we get into the nitty gritty of what we're going to talk about, um, just to lighten it up a little bit and um, have a little fun, all right? If, if you were to enter a room, what song would you want playing every time you entered that room? Jill, I'm going to start with you. <laughs> I'm laughing because, okay, so I, this really like me. First off, I was like, oh my God, where do I go? Because I'm such a music person. Um, but then when I started looking into my, at my phone, I was like, well, you have to use at least a song by this artist. If not, there's a few that stick in my mind. So there's two that I couldn't decipher from, but there's one I'm going for particularly. So the artist is Pink. And the reason why I went with her is because she is just what she stands for and is like unstoppable, like doesn't care what people think. Just, she's always been an idol of mine. But the song in particular, and I think it's just 
the title of it is called I Am Here. The mm-hmm. language and the words in it um, are a little deep in religious beliefs and it's like a spiritual thing, but like just the song itself, just the presence of like, I am here. It gets the, the beat of it just gets you fired up. I can be caught singing it in my car often pretending that I can sing just as well as pink, which God forbid anybody hears me. I'll probably make your ears bleed. But I think that would be the song that or just like fire because the lyrics in it, like talking about kicking out a ceiling and just being empowered by things. But I'm going to go with I am here by pink. Cool. Rob, what do you got? Wow, this is a really hard one for me. You know, <laughs> I'm a musician, so um, my library is huge and my tastes are everywhere, but I'm going to go with my ringtone on my phone, um, and it's Can You Kick It by A Tribe Called Quest. Ooh. Cool. I hear that again. I love it. I just <laughs> the groove. I'm old school hip hop, and I kick it. Oh, I like it. And I think that is another thing I know about you. You go to a lot of concerts, don't you? I go you? to everything. Okay, I, <laughs> I did know that too. Yes, yes. Um, well, I may, I may have a concert buddy then. I'm a huge <laughs> concert person too. I have tickets up on tickets, stubs. And- well, I love that you picked Pink. Uh, we saw Pink at Wembley Stadium when we were in England a couple years ago, wow. and it was wow. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I saw her at TD Garden a few years back. Probably, yeah, probably like within the last like three years. And I just was like, she's phenomenal. Like, yeah. like yeah. wow. And what she does, <laughs> what she does for communities, the LBDGEQ yeah. community is amazing. So, yeah. 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 All right, Claudia. Oh my gosh. How am I going to follow this? I cannot <laughs> follow this. I do not have a huge library, um, but I love music. And uh, when I saw this question, I said, oh my gosh, I said to my kids, what am I going to say? And they said, um, and they were trying to think of things and it, we had a, we had some fun with it. Uh, the things that struck me were in one of the slideshows after our uh, Western camping trip in the summer, one of the chaperones put in the background with all the pictures of me, Killer Queen, <laughs> which I loved because I kicked what I don't, whatever Rob said, kicked it on the, um, on the trip. And I always played Beautiful Day by U2 whenever we were taking off uh, because I just wanted the kids to see, let's go get this. It's a beautiful day. And then um, a personal favorite from my family, <laughs> you guys are probably too young to even know it, is Don't Rain on My Parade by Barbara Streisand from Funny Girl, which is my mom's favorite movie. And, you know, that's just me. You know, don't, don't get in the way. I'm doing this and it's going to be awesome, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> whether everybody else thinks it's awesome or not, I'm going to enjoy it. So uh, Don't Rain on My Parade would be the one I would say is number one. Awesome. I love Barbara Streisand. Love me her. too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so good. So that was that was fun. So we're gonna we're gonna take some time now and really try and, and address this. What the the crux of this is, and I think what I'm um, as you each kind of share your story, like feel free to respond or ask each other a question because for our listeners here, um, you know, this is what it's about. You know, paying attention and learning from our students. Um, so just to um, rephrase it again. I'm, I'm asking you to share 
a lesson, a significant lesson, a lesson that you've learned from your students and how it has shaped you as an educator. Um, so, Rob, how about you? You, you, you wanna go first? Would you go first? Yes, I will. Okay. And this is gonna be heavy for me. Um, and I'm gonna uh, go a little off of your prompt, just a little bit, just because of the nature of everything that happened. But there's like a few moments in my teaching career that just, you know, it's kind of like one of those moments in time that you'll never forget. You remember exactly how you felt, exactly where you were, and every single moment that is associated with that time. And it was such a learning experience. And it happened to me, geez, just a couple months ago. So uh, <laughs> we were, it was the second week of school and we were in a phase of remote learning um, because the contract, we hadn't settled on a hybrid learning model yet. So, uh, you know, we were, we were in Zoom calls for, for a couple weeks. And uh, I was on a Zoom call with, you know, uh, it's a third grade class. And uh, we were gonna do, we were gonna do an, uh, an alliteration icebreaker. So, you know, I would say uh, the prompt was, you know, think about a, an adjective, a physically active adjective to describe yourself that starts with the letter of your first name. So for instance, I would be running Rob. And then after you introduce yourself, you pass the ball to, and then, um, you know, you, you say somebody else's name in your Zoom call. So, so I would say, hey, I'm running Rob and I pass the ball to Kathy. And Kathy would go ahead and continue to play this virtual game of pass. So we had, I had already had a couple classes that morning and, you know, it's just a fun little icebreaker. And, you know, what I learned in those first couple classes was, you know, you'll have students who stumble a little bit. And when they stumble, um, maybe other students would chime in with an idea or I would chime in with an idea. And I had a, a MECO student, um, I won't use her name, but her name starts with an N. And uh, she was having a hard time. And, and actually, I started to think about it as she was stumbling. I was like, wow, there aren't really a lot of adjectives for N. So I was like, well, what about neatly or notorious? And I heard one of my students use the N word to describe her. Oh. Mm. And uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what just happened? So, um, so I said, excuse me, um, his name starts with a C and, uh, and he said it again. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, maybe I'm not hearing it right. Like this can't be happening. I said, I said, hey C, could you type it into the chat so that I know what you're trying to say? Because I don't think I can hear you over Zoom. I'm not sure I'm hearing you correctly. I had the chat enabled so that only I could see it when he typed it in. And he, he said, well, Mr. Tatro, I'm not sure I can spell it correctly. And I said, no, it's okay. Uh, see, um, you don't have to spell it correctly. I'll, I'll, I'll get an idea. And he didn't spell it correctly, but it, 
it was what it was. It was the N-word. And uh, it's not how I intended to start the day. You know, it's not how I intended the day to go. It's not how I intended the lesson to go. But at that moment, everything stopped. And I said, hey, um, boys and girls, we're about to have a really hard conversation. I want everyone to just put their microphones on mute because I have something that I need to say. And um, you could see there was some confusion about some people. You could, you heard, I could hear one student say, oh my God. And now granted in this Zoom call, there are probably five or six students of color in this class, which is a little abnormal for this grade level. And after I put everyone on mute, I just said, I said, boys and girls, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry for, and I listed our five students of color who were on the, on the list. I said, um, you know, C, just use a word. That's just an awful, awful word. And he may not know it right now, but let me tell you what that word means. And uh, I talked about how slave owners would use that word to, to call their slaves and um, how that word has become a symbol of hate and racism in America. And that word is just such a demeaning and hateful word. And um, you could see in the back, it was just, you could see in the background of some of the students, they were parents furiously typing away on their phones. And I've got all of these things going on. And uh, thankfully there was a teacher's assistant on the call with me and I could see her typing away. So, and she's brand new. I've never met her before up until like two or three um, calls. So, you know, I mean, I think I uh, talked for, you know, another few moments just to let everyone know how sorry I was that this was happening in, in what was supposed to be a fun time, especially, you know, the second week of school. And I tried to think about how I was going to transition into the activity that I planned for the day. And then I was just like, no, we can't go on. So I said, hey, everyone, I'll see you later. I'm sure I'm going to be meeting with you shortly, but uh, I don't think that I can teach class the way that we've started today. So I'd like you to just kind of think about what we've talked about and I'll see you next time. And I said, um, hey, can N stay on so that I can speak with her? And I asked everyone to log off. And now N is a MECO student. She's also a mentee of mine. I've known her since she was in kindergarten. And she's the smartest, most caring, cutest, just best little girl you could ever know. And, and I have a special relationship with her just because I, I meet with her personally on a personal level. So when she and I got uh, together alone on Zoom, I was just like, and I am so, so sorry. I feel terrible for putting you in a position to be just 
uh, I just get emotional just thinking about it. So she said, oh, Mr. Tatro, it's okay. You didn't know that that was going to happen. <laughs> and like, like out of the mouths of babes, you know, like here she is consoling me and, and wow. So after I made sure she was okay, we hung up and I made a beeline right away for the classroom teacher's office, uh, classroom teacher's room. Now, thankfully, this had happened during a time of Zoom because ordinarily, like if I was in the gymnasium with a class, like I don't have the ability to just stop the class and walk up to the, you know, and be like, you guys are done for the, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't want to use the term perfect, perfect storm or perfect situation, but I was in a good spot to handle this. And I went up to the classroom teachers room who's right above me and she had already known what had was going on because the teacher's assistant had started messaging her so i touched base with her quickly made it over to the principal's office who was unaware of what was going on and was going to kind of i think at first well i'm not sure what his action was what he was going to do until I mentioned, I said, Mike, Michael, um, I think this is really gonna blow up because there are a lot of parents who were in the background of that call and I can see that they're texting each other right now. And I really think that this is an emergency and we need to handle it like, like the emergency that it is. So he stopped everything and we got guidance involved. While that was going on, we have a MECO office in our school. So I ran up to the MECO office. She was on the phone with N's mom. And I got on the phone with her and talked with her for a little while. And she was so upset. She was so upset. She wanted N to be out of the school, like out of the program. You know, she said to me and the MECO director, we had her on speakerphone. She said, you know, I knew I was going to have to have this conversation with her at some point in her life. I just didn't think it was going to be in elementary school. And um, the, and I'm sorry to make this a, a long story. I'm trying to think about a way to shorten it as much as I can. But we quickly scheduled a Zoom call with the entire class um, within a half an hour. And um, my principal was on the call. My guidance counselor was on the call. MECO coordinator, MECO um, district coordinator. And the only person that wasn't on the call was C, the one who, uh, who said it. And um, we just had an open conversation about, yeah, just what an awful morning we all had. And um, in the end, um, about a week later, I was with the MECO coordinator and she and I agreed that what we've done, I think, is establish a new protocol for how to handle an, an incident like this because I think we talked about it we said you know if this had happened a year ago or so this might have been pushed off to later in the week or later in the month or fill out an incident report but what we did in the way we handled it is we handled it like an emergency like a fire drill like everything needs to stop forget about curriculum forget about recess forget about whatever it is you're doing at the time 
and we need to address this because it's an emergency. These symbols of hate and bigotry and racism need to be addressed if we are going to make any sort of change in this country in, in, in the, the mindset of children of all people. And um, yeah, so it was a terrible day. Uh, I, I've been riding my bike back and forth to school through COVID, which has been great. And it was great that day because boy, did I hit the pedals hard on the way home out of anger and frustration. And um, yeah, it was quite a moment. So it was, it's one of those moments of time that I'll never forget. Mm. Um, I'm just taking it in and processing it. And um, as you were telling that story, um, just feeling all the, the different emotions, like I, I could, I could feel that. Um, I don't know, Jill or, or Claudia, if you want to respond or feel free. Um, Rob, I'm, I'm so sorry that this happened to your student, but I am very glad that you were the person leading that class and that you made sure it was handled as an emergency immediately. You are the reason. You are the, you are the reason for that. And to see the importance of something so critical happening to a child and to take and show to that child and to all the surrounding people, this matters so much and she is so valuable. Um, I have two grandnieces who are black. Their dad is from Ghana. They are the most beautiful people I know and they are probably the reason that I am an activist at my, in my retirement. Um, I'm so proud to know you and I'd love you to be their teacher. So thank you for being all that you are. Oh, thanks, Claudia. Jill, did you wanna? I just, Rob, I just, you, I admire how well you handled it. Like I, as you're telling your story, I was just kept on thinking to myself like, how would I have responded? Like, would I have responded in, in a way that was just, I feel like you just handled it probably the most appropriate that you could. And even the way, like, just thinking to myself, like, what words would I use? The way that you probably controlled, like, also probably your anger. It's like thinking to myself, like, how would I control that as well as, because, I mean, they're students. We get protective of our students. You know, it's like, I, I see it all the time, especially in my, in, at the middle school level with bullying and and you do, you get protective, like they're like your children and certain kids just, they are, they become like part of your family. And you, you do, you, you, especially when you build those relationships with those kids, like they really, they are yours. And, um, wow. I just, I'm like Claudia said, I'm so glad it was, it was your class or you, that was the person that could handle that. Cause I just admire how well you handled it and how, how much you valued that student as a person and not just another kid in your class that you're supposed to teach and get this content towards like you value them and there's a relationship there just wow well and that was the thing the metco director and i talked about is um in in the fallout of all of this how many teachers i talked with in the aftermath said exactly that chill like 
I don't think I would have handled that way. I don't know how I would have handled it. I don't know what I would have done. And, and to me and to, um, to her, we were like, all right, so if, if, this, if these are the questions that are coming from our teachers who are very professional and very smart and very well equipped to handle these things, but if they don't know how they were gonna handle it at this time, then we need to explicitly write it out. Like it's a protocol, like this is how you handle it. This yeah. is the way you do it. So if there's anything good that's gonna come from something terrible like this, it's going to be that it's going to be and and i told her i said we, maybe we can call it ends wish that's going to be the name of the, the protocol you know it's going to be her wish that from this point on that there's a plan in place that when this happens that it's handled appropriately and correctly and as the emergency it is so what a lesson to <laughs> What a lesson to be learned. And you know, that's the thing about teaching. You never know what's going to happen when you walk into that building that day, right? You never know. And I'm so glad that the, the listeners that are going to hear this are going to hear your story and hear it. And maybe, maybe they don't have protocol set up, but now they're going to hear your story. And maybe they're going to start a wave now to have these conversations. Oh. I'm thinking about maybe... I don't know how I would do it, but I was thinking about maybe writing it up as a strategies article or, or something like that, you know, for one of our publications. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Do it, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for that. Thanks. All right, Jill, I'm gonna oh. move over to you. I know, I know. Oh, I don't even know how to follow, so I don't know how to follow that. And as Rab's talking, I have these two, I have these two moments that have now been years away now. One was in my first year of teaching at the middle school I'm at now, and one probably happened three, two years later because that um, a different student was then in eighth grade. Um, so there's two moments that really stick out, but I'll, I'll stick to this one because there was some moments that I learned in the moment or lessons learned in the moment. And then months later, there was like, it came back and this moment was a situation I had, I, it was my first year of teaching. It was one of those situations that many of us probably experience as health ed and phys physical educators. It's a, we don't have a curriculum for you, figure it out. This is normally the content we teach, figure it out. So I was kind of like a one man island in my building. Um, I had amazing support from the principal at the time. Thank goodness. Um, this particular class definitely cried in her office about at one point, um, but she was amazing and reassured me that this class, it's not you. They do this to every teacher. And it was a particular class that had been traveling together for two years. So it was sixth grade and seventh grade and had kind of, as a middle school student will, they kind of bonded in the, hey, if we continue to do this, we don't have to do anything. So they were a pretty disruptive class. And so it was a class that a lot of the times I walked into, luckily our schedule was, I saw these kids once every six day rotation. So it was spaced out that I, I got a break from them, which could be a not a blessing, but like probably actually, I wish I now had more time with them because I could probably build a better relationship with those kids to be able to break that situation down. And so it was a class that I always walked into with lots of anxiety. And it was, it was a day that 
They had rolled in like they normally do, disruptive. We can't even get through like the activator. And I was already on edge. And this said student, or this person, this student, walked in about 10 to 15 minutes late. And I was already kind of frustrated. I was frustrated before the class even started, you know, just thinking about this class coming in. And my response to the student was, I snapped at her and said, where were you? Well, the student looked at me and goes, I don't know. Typical middle school defensive response. And I think I, I don't remember my exact response, but I figure it was along the lines of like, well, what do you mean you don't know where you were? And it was one of those like open-ended questions that you're probably not going to get a response back or one that you like. And I think she made it just shrugged her shoulders and went to her seat. And as I proceeded to try, and I will put in quotes, try to teach that class, I kept on making note of since that interaction of her walking into the, in the door, I got nothing from her. She wouldn't, she refused basically. It was one of those, you yelled at me, she crossed her arms and she refused to do work. And as I was making note of that, I kind of was thinking to myself throughout the class, like, you know, how you handled that, you just shut her down. You shut her down. She, you are now an authoritative figure to her, like probably many of her teachers, she perceives them to be. And what are you going to get out of her now for the next few months? If she, like, she's not, you can't even get anything out of her in the 70 minute class. So at the end of class, I asked her to stay behind and I just said, can we talk for a second? And as much of a tough girlfriend she always put on in school, she was always, there was always this kind of soft side of, okay, miss. And she came, she stayed after for a second. And I, the first thing I said to her is, I want to apologize. I want to apologize how I handled that. It was not, not right of me or correct of me as an, as an adult. That is not how I should treat you. I said, and I apologize. I go, you know, you got to understand my frustration. And I, I said kind of the stereotypical response of like, you know, if I don't, if I don't know where you are, like you're my responsibility and I need to make sure that you're okay. And if you're not in my classroom, you know, it's, I don't know where you are and I'm concerned, you know, and I just, and I, but I apologize and I just basically owned it. And I, I made note, like, you know, you shouldn't come late, but just tell me. And I said to her, I said, just tell me you were in the bathroom for 10 minutes talking to your friends. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Be open and honest about it. Just, I just don't want you to do it every single day. Like just be open. And the conversation ended kind of one of those and Maybe the next week she was a little bit more open. I can't remember, but where it really stuck with me is a few months later, and I can't remember as I was jotting down notes, if it was Christmas or if it was the end of the school year. And I want to say it might've been the end of the school year, but I got a note from her, which we don't get much anymore from kids. You don't see handwritten notes, but it was a handwritten note in an envelope, small little note. And she had given it to me and kind of walked away. And I think I didn't open it until I got home. And the note said, thank you for apologizing to me. No teacher has ever done that to me before. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for caring. And it was probably no more than that. I, and it just stuck with me. It still just makes me think of like, they're kids first, you know? And it, it, teaches, it teaches me, and I remind myself every day that, my reactions in the class, I get to check myself first. 
they're middle school kids. That teenage brain is a disaster. And I actually teach that to them now in sixth grade. Your brain is a disaster. It doesn't have a braking system. And your go, your gas pedal is 120 miles an hour right now. And I just have to remind myself that like, when I react to a kid or I'm about to react to a student, it's what it, what's internally in me that's making me react this way. Is it really their fault? Um, and one of the notes I kind of made down, took down about this is like, just thinking of like, where, like, it's hard to say, like, just owning it with your kids too. Like that's, there's been days in class now, like I'll, like some of the kids will roll in and I'll notice myself getting edgy or I'll make a snappy comment or something. And I'll just say to them, guys, you know what? I'll let you know right now. I'm kind of like, I'm in an aggravated mood and it's not you, but just be aware of it. And I'll, apolog and I'll apologize ahead of the class. So I think it's, she just taught me like, just be more aware about you and what you're bringing into the classroom and how you're reacting to kids in that moment. Like it's, it's really not them. And it's over the years, I've learned to kind of let my guard down and just you know, the kids know, like, and to be transparent with them too, they really appreciate that, especially in finding at the middle school level, especially in eighth grade, they really are kids that are just like, thank you. Like they, they say thank you a lot because they don't, in middle school, I think most of the time, a lot of their teachers are authoritative. You need to do this. You need to listen to me. You need to line up in this line and you need to not talk while I'm speaking. And and it's really like a lot of them just appreciate that transparency, that openness, being able to have a voice. And then they love it. They love when a, an adult can own their mistakes too and, and kind of let down that guard a little bit. So yeah. I always just remember that. It's just, and it, I had a few of her, her siblings after and just like, I just still, I loved her. I would see her in the high school and I would just, I would just say hi and just check in with her. She was never the greatest student. She, she had some learning differences that she really struggled with, but like, I always just made sure to check in with her and you could see that like smile on her face. Like, I'm fine. You know, I'm good. She never wanted to let that guard down, but you could kind of see it a little bit. So it's probably the biggest, it stuck with me. This is my ninth year and it's always, it's always sticks with me every day. Great story. And, and gosh, we are human, right? And we mess yeah. up. We mess up for sure. Thank you for sharing that. Claudia or, or Rob, I don't know if you want to respond to, to Jill. I was just thinking that we're not the same teacher in year one that we are in year 11 or year 20 any more than we are the same parent with a first child and then subsequent children. Um, we evolve just like we hope that, that they will evolve. So I can, I can hear it in your storytelling, Jill, that you have evolved so much in your way of viewing your students. And it's a beautiful thing because that means you're a reflective practitioner. And if you're not reflecting, you shouldn't be practicing. <laughs> so good for you. Spoken like a true supervising teacher there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. So awesome. So perfectly said. It was, it was great. <laughs> I always say like to my students at school, and I'm sure we all do as well, that school is the perfect place for you to be to make mistakes. Yes. It's a learning environment that we need to set up to allow students to make mistakes and, and make sure that they know that it's okay and it's accepted. And I say that to all of my classes almost on a daily basis, but I almost relish the moments, uh, Jill, 
when I do make a mistake to own it in mm -hmm. front of my students because they need to know that the adults are making mistakes. And gosh, are we, are we ever at a point in our career where we're making more mistakes right now than we ever have in our past going through what we're going through? So uh, kudos to you for owning that because uh, it's such a valuable lesson for students to know because that's what school is. It's, it's where we make mistakes and we learn from them. And that's just a, a great opportunity for them to learn from the adults who make mistakes. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Jill. Claudia. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, here we go. So, well, I thought about this an awful lot. And I mean, I'm very grateful you shared these questions with us, Kathy. Um, you know, my gut feeling is to say that every single student who has ever walked through uh, my classroom door, whatever my classroom looked like, has taught me something from the, you know, the, the, the bully who showed me to look for more than just his behavior in the gymnasium, to the introverted child who didn't speak at all during my class, but wrote volumes when given a written project. And I learned about her whole life through that. But there is one story and I've I've shared, this is one, it's kind of amusing, um, that I always look back on, so I'll, I'll share this one. Um, I taught middle school PE and health uh, for nine years before moving to the high school in North Reading. And the classes were about 50 minutes long. I don't know what we can learn about a child in 50 minutes, two times a week. <laughs> um, but I had this young man and I, I had him in sixth grade and seventh grade and eighth grade. And he never said the words to me, I hate PE. He never said those words to me, but he showed me every time he entered the gymnasium by trying to be the center of attention, by goofing around, by never being dressed appropriately. Um, by constantly interrupting every lesson that I taught. And I had recently taken over this camping program that my husband had begun 27 years prior and he retired. So I raised my hand and said, I'll do that, you know, <laughs> so I'm thinking. And this young man, and this is something we did at the end of the eighth grade. And he signed up to go on this trip he wanted to go. And it was a very serious, long, arduous interview process to go with being accepted into this program, including memorizing the Gettysburg Address and reciting it in front of your peers and mapping the itinerary and just an unbelievable, and, and that way folks who didn't want to work hard might say, I don't think I want to go on this trip. So this boy applied to go on this trip and this boy had literally driven me out of my mind for three years. And I said, I say that like with such remorse because I adore him now. <laughs> and I, I will always take the lessons of not judging others uh, from this young man. So he applies, He's, he has an, uh, an IEP and his mom is a very strong woman <laughs> who uh, is outspoken and told me many times that, you know, he had to go on the trip. 
And I said, okay, you know, we're looking at that. We're going to have him recite the Gettysburg Address. So he does not follow through with this initially. Other students are passing and things are going along. We had these lunch meetings that were a blast and the kids would stand on my soapbox and recite the Gettysburg Address. So he um, doesn't do it. And his mom calls me one day and says, I really don't think that he should go. I don't think he can do this. And I said, oh yes, he can. And in, in the back of my mind, I was saying, wait a minute, I just volunteered to work with this child on getting him to recite this, this great speech and take him across the country for more than a month. <laughs> a kid who drove me crazy for three years in my class. So his mother, I said, I know he can do it. We'll help him through. We'll give him prompts. So he's going to be okay. So of course he does it. And off we packs his bags and off we go. Well, that month, you know, the playing field is leveled when you're out 1,500 miles away from home and you're camping with kids of all different groups, cliques from middle school. And this boy was a rock star. He not only was a leader in the, every campground that we went to, he also was the best prankster who initiated the hiding of my and the setting up of my tent, which is a trip tradition, in another location um, with great fun and no malice. Um, and we've remained close all these years uh, since. But the lesson from that young man, you can't know a person who walks into a classroom for 50 minutes twice a week or even five days a week. You can't know them. And so you mustn't judge. And so when we say to our students, you know, no assumptions are made here. You know, that's one of the rules in my classroom. No assumptions about each other. Everyone wants to be loved and to belong. He was trying to find his way into belonging in that gymnasium for three years. So I'm, his name was Rob also, by the way. Um, yes, and I will say that of all the lessons I learned, his has been repeated in my mind continuously over decades because anytime I start to go to that place of being a human being who may judge others, I have to remember Rob and I take it all back. So he's my greatest lesson, mm. my best teacher. That's a, that's a, that's a, great, a great story and so true, right? Yes. So true. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Claudia. Rob and Jill, do you want to respond to Claudia's story? I can go first. I think, Claudia, you just reminded me of, there is one privilege that we do have of being physical education and health teachers is that we get the opportunity at our grade levels to often see them evolve through many years. So like Rob has the honor of seeing kids K through five, I'm assuming you're K through five for school and I, I love the best, the funnest part of my job is seeing my sixth grader do that. It's, it doesn't matter the student. You see the same behaviors in those age groups. Doesn't matter who it is. And you see these sixth graders come in as small, small little babies, have them in my sixth grade class. Then I get to experience their seventh grade. I call it disaster. <laughs> the, best, the best quote I ever heard from a seventh grade ELA teacher was, 
seventh graders are just, their brain is just such a disaster. We should just let them hibernate for a year and let them come back. Cause it's just like their brain is just working against them in so many ways. And I get to experience that, which normally seventh grade, I'm like ripping my hair out because they, they're, they are, they're just such a disaster. But then getting the opportunity to see them as an eighth grader with the growth spurts and just seeing them evolve into these thoughtful students that were such babies three years before, it's, it really is a privilege. And it's something a lot of my colleagues like don't ever get to experience. They see them for a year and then they're gone or they get them for their eighth grade year and they don't really appreciate the growth that they've, those kids have had or seventh grade teachers who just don't appreciate the kid because they're dealing with the disaster that they are. So, I mean, it is, it's such a privilege. Like I, I enjoy it immensely. So, and I'm upset because this year with, with everything going on, they, my schedule is normally sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And this year I'm teaching time opportunity to really say goodbye to my eighth grade kids that I've, I've had for three years. And, and I'm not able to continue that relationship that I've started with my sixth graders and, and build and grow on that too, because some of those kids in sixth grade, I probably didn't have the greatest relationships with. And seventh grade is an opportunity to then learn and change and, and, and really develop a, a new relationship. So it's kind of a bummer, but I, it's really, I think we have an honor. Yeah, and just to piggyback on what Jill was saying, you know, I agree, you know, one of the best parts of our jobs is just being able to grow with these families and these kids. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you wish that all of your classes were filled with these golden little cherubs, but I often tell parents, like, how boring would that be? <laughs> because you need a Rob in class yeah. for a while. Yes. To, to wake you up and make you think yeah. differently as a teacher on how yes. in the world am I going to connect with this student? Yes. And then to be able to do that, mm -hmm. like one of your biggest successes, right? So. Yeah. If you had classes of little cherubs every single day, well, what fun would that be? <laughs> right. So yeah, kudos to you, Claudia. Oh, it was a lot of fun. All right, so as we, we get ready to wind down here, um, we may have some really teachers just starting out. So um, this I'm gonna make it a little bit more difficult. I know I, I gave you this as one of the questions that we might talk about, but I'm gonna say try and keep it 15 seconds or less. Oh. If you could talk, if you could talk to your first year self, oh. give, give right now what you know, and you were going to go back and give your first year self advice. You have 15 seconds or, or less. What advice? And um, I'm going to start, um, Jill, I'm going to start with you. My advice, and this actually got brought up the other day with the conversation I was having. My advice to a first, my first year self is students and the relationships with students come first over curriculum any day your priority. Awesome. Claudia. Uh, easy. Don't be afraid. Let them see your humanity. That's it. Awesome. Rob. Um, I, I guess I use it as my, um, one of the words to describe my, myself or my students, and that's just create a caring environment. It's, it's easier to reward positive behaviors than, and it's much more fulfilling as an educator to reward positive behaviors than it is to yes. give consequences for negative behaviors. So yeah, care, care for your students, caring environment. Yeah. 
And I want to thank the three of you, Jill, Claudia, and Rob, for being on this first episode for season two. Um, and we certainly did learn today that our students are our best teachers. And um, thank you. And uh, I look forward to our next season, which I think actually we're going to be celebrating Metco. So uh, Rob, what you talked about is a great lead in as I'm working on my guests. So thank you all and um, stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you.